Welcome to episode 69 of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. This week, we talk with EIU head baseball coach Jason Anderson as the Panthers prepare to open what will be his seventh season at the helm. Over the past three seasons, EIU has had four players drafted under Anderson's watch, including Trey Sweeney, a first-round selection this past season. Anderson talks about those players, the Panthers program overall, and his own journey as a professional baseball player on this week's episode. We're in our second season of EIU Panthers Podcast, and you can hear any of our previous episodes by searching EIU Panthers Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of Eastern Illinois Athletics. Want to learn more about the power of broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com today. EIU winter and spring sports are slowly returning to action, so be sure to stay up to date on the latest news, schedules, scores, and much more by visiting us online at eiupanthers.com, the official athletic website for Eastern Illinois. You can also follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Congratulations to EIU track members Riley Baker, Sean Hopkins, and Zakia Johnson on winning OVC Athlete of the Week awards this past week. The men's and women's track programs and the men's and women's basketball teams are both in action at home over the next week. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast with EIU head baseball coach Jason Anderson. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. We're joined today by Jason Anderson, the EIU head baseball coach. We're going to talk to Jason a little bit about the upcoming season, his seventh as the head coach here for the Panthers, but also his career as a, a former player and his ties to the area and some other players that have some ties to Eastern Illinois that, as we were talking about before the podcast, that it's funny how the world of baseball and other sports kind of come full circle. So thanks for joining us today, Jason. Appreciate you having me, Rich. So as we mentioned, starting your seventh season here as, as the head coach last year, you guys, a winning record, back-to-back winning seasons, first time it had happened at Eastern in a while. You guys had a COVID shutdown when you thought you had a really good nucleus of a team two years ago. Last year, a number of those players back, but due to some COVID and some injuries, kind of where you wanted to be wins-wise, but maybe not the overall results that you wanted for the entire season. Yeah, I mean, it's COVID is came at a, in a, a strange time for us because we really built the program up to have success. I mean, uh, COVID hits at the same time, um, and we've had guys drafted in the last three years, uh, junior drafts that, you know, guys that would have outstanding senior years. So uh, what we have been is fortunate that we've had um, great players and great families that have really supported us through this whole thing. And so we've been able to weather every obstacle that has came our way, and, and we're very, very happy with the results, um, not only on the field, but but off the field. Now, you talked about guys being drafted. You guys have had a good track record the last couple of years. You've had four guys drafted in the last three drafts, and for a school that this size, that, that's, a, that's a good number. I'm sure that that's one of the first things you talk to young men and their families about when they come in, because they all want to have that opportunity to play professionally. At least you can show them that, hey, you can get from point A to point B, and now there's always a point C beyond that they have to work at, but at least getting that first opportunity. Yeah, and it's, again, we've just been fortunate to, to land with the right type of players because when it comes to, you know, guys getting to the level of first-round draft picks or fifth-round draft picks, whether it's, you know, at a school the size of Eastern Illinois or it's, you know, a bigger school, it's a day-to-day process. Um, 
you know, a lot of talented players out there, but if you can take a guy that wants to truly put in the work to get better each and every day, um, who knows what it leads to. And so to see guys like Mike Yasinka and uh, Jimmy Govern and, and Trey Sweeney and Will Klein get those opportunities, it, it's so rewarding. But to also see them go into professional baseball and then to have success there and know that they were prepared for that setting um, when they're coming from, you know, what some would consider little old Eastern Illinois. Um, it's really fun to be a part of that. I know I take a lot of pride in it, and I know they do as well. Now, we'll talk a little bit about those four guys you just mentioned. Jimmy Govern would be one that, if I would say, encapsulates what you would think of of Eastern Illinois, kind of a grinded-out, lunch-pail mentality of a player. I would say that that's him, and you can see that him taking that maybe mentality that he learned here at Eastern, the type of players you're looking for, that's prepared him to have an opportunity at the next level. Yeah, and he he's just a fantastic story of just development. Um, and I can sit here and tell you I'm the greatest coach in the world, and I'd be wrong. Um, but with him, he was a guy that was a truly baseball guy that loved getting into the weight room, loved playing baseball. We could send him anywhere. Um, you know, he would listen to things that we had to say. We could challenge him at the right times. And to spit out the product of a – uh, a guy that's an All-American um, helping take the program to new heights and then go into the Kansas City Royals organization where they love him. And, you, you know, I get compliments on him all the time, and he's just he's matured and grown as a player and a person so much that, um, again, it's really the rewarding part of this job. And then another guy that that's with the Kansas City Royals, and it's interesting that I think sometimes – programs and mentalities translate to maybe franchises and mentalities of the type of player program uh, approach that they have the Royals I would think being a a smaller market team kind of have that grinded out lunch pail mentality they want those type of guys Will Klein is a young man who you also talked about developed was there was only five rounds of draft that year that he got drafted due to COVID and he was one of those in that five rounds what kind of a, a story is that from a guy that you know, struggled just even to get on the mound his probably his freshman year here. Yeah, well, he was a kid that was a high school catcher. He hadn't even really pitched. Um, and really the biggest draw for Will to us was uh, he was a 34 ACT. And so anytime you have a kid that puts in the work in the classroom, you have to think they'll put the, the work, you know, into the baseball. And uh, we had a fantastic visit with him um and just fell in love with his family and his work ethic and his mentality and you know we knew like anybody else there was going to be a process of development um but he really bought into the every single day getting better and he was not satisfied and we all had patience and took us a little bit to get it going but um by the time he hit his junior year and he's firing up 100 miles an hour with a devastating breaking ball and and uh, an unflappable mentality um again it's not like it's a snap of the finger overnight thing it's a day in day out overcoming obstacles and learning from our mistakes and trying things and supporting each other and um again the royals uh, just excited to have them and i think there's big things there you know as long as he continues on that path but um that's something internal that um 
you know, that you, you can't see as you're sitting in the stands yeah. watching baseball games. And then the, the last guy who the most recent you talk about in terms of development, Trey Sweeney, a guy who I think Eastern, if, I'm, if, I, if I remember correctly, was really his only Division One offer. And, you know, as every young kid, they want to go to the, to the biggest programs locally that they can. That wasn't an opportunity for him. But to see his progression, I, I mean, I'm sure there was something special you guys saw when you at least recruited him, but I don't know if you knew – maybe how special that was that ends up being, you know, a first-round draft pick for the New York Yankees. Yeah, again, nobody, nobody, you know, when we have our recruiting visits, we don't tell anybody, you know, you're going to be a first-round pick <laughs> or a fifth-round pick or anything like that. You know, we just promise them we're going to do the best we can day in and day out. Um, and Trey Sweeney, uh, I always call him the unicorn uh, because he's just, he's just a special talent and a person that, um, he takes care of business in every part of classroom, practice, weight room. Um, when scouts came to see him, it was as simple as have a conversation with him, come out to the game, and whoever um, the, the smartest team, in my opinion, is going to decide to get them as get him as soon as possible. And um, he's just a fantastic person and player and. Uh, I knew there was something special the first time I saw him, but until you meet him, it takes it to another level. And then if I if I heard the story correctly on, on this one, and I'm not trying to divulge any secrets or trays, but smart guy when you talk about this and the fact that he understands baseball is not going to last forever. If I heard the story correctly, he's a guy that he put away all of his signing bonus money to be able to live on that down the road, and he's the guy who's going to go with you know the month-to-month paycheck that you make in the minors, and as as you know, being there – that's not exactly, you know, money that's breaking the bank. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he's, a, again, a baseball baseball guy. He always has been. You know, wherever we told him to go play, um, he just went out and he played. Um, and that is what professional baseball is. Um, when they say, you know, hop on a flight and go play a game in, uh, you know, Arkansas, and then the next week they say hop on a flight and go play in California, you don't question it. You jump on the flight and you go out there and you put up numbers and, um, you know, after amount of time, you hope that you get an opportunity at the major leagues, and and he has that built in, and he always has been, and so it doesn't surprise me that you know he's going to try to make things as hard as as he can on himself to prepare him uh, for this journey, which is which is tough. You know, being a first rounder or not, it's it's hard to get through the minor leagues. Now, I think for you, unique, and we talk about these guys, and we kind of set this up in, in order for you to talk about them. You kind of been down that same road as these guys have. For those that don't know, Jason played professionally for a number of years, was in the in the big leagues before he got into coaching. For you, um, a heralded player out of high school from the Danville area, and I and I think if I read this correctly, drafted out of high school. Why did you then choose to go to to college and not not pursue the draft at that time i'm sure that there there maybe were, were some reasons that you had to have had yeah I, I i've told everybody i've ever met that the best decision i i ever made was not signing out of high school um because at the time um i would not have been ready for what was coming at me but the real reason that i made the decision was because i wanted to be the first person in my family to go to a major university and get a degree and baseball was my ticket to do that and so um you know for me, it, it was it was the best decision I ever made, and got an opportunity to go play in college at, at Illinois with um, fantastic coaches that um, supported me through everything that I was going through, and uh, 
you know, I, I learned a lot from that, and it carried me through the rest of my career where baseball has always opened doors for me, um, and I've tried my best to learn from my mistakes and walk through those doors, which have opened up more opportunities in the future. And it, it's provided me with a great opportunity here at Eastern and a great family and, um, you know, a lot of things I'm really proud of. Now, interesting enough, is you were drafted by the, the Kansas City Royals, and the scout who recruited you had, had Eastern ties as there as well. I guess tell a little bit about that story, maybe how it, it's interesting as we go through this, how a lot of these connections and paths overcross each other. Yeah, um, Skip McDevitt, you know, who was, is a, one of the best coaches that I know of. It's helped me tremendously at Eastern. You know, he'll, he'll pop in the office all the time and uh, has done a lot to, to – you know, let me know about what he's experienced in his history and, and introduced me to alumni. And um, so he was the local scout when the Royals drafted me. And so, um, you know, when they all came to my house and, you know, um, I had to look him in the eye and turn down an opportunity in professional baseball, which was, you know, the best decision, but also one of the hardest. Um, you know, my mom's stressed out sitting there wondering, yeah. is this the right decision? And, um, and so, to to meet him at an early age there and then to, you know, come to Eastern and be here and to see him walk through the office door one day and sit down and have a conversation with me was really unique and interesting and cool that it came around that way. But, you know, again, I was drafted in the 10th round out of college. Um, this, the local scout there was Steve Lemke, who was an EIU alum. Um, again, great person, fortunate to have in my life. Uh, has always been there through obviously my professional career, uh, major league career, and then to get the opportunity at Eastern Illinois to where I see him numerous times over the course of the year to have those things in common and to be able to share things. And, uh, and so it's just interesting how everything circles together between my story, the Yankees, the Royals, and, and how it bleeds into the opportunities for our players now. Now you talked about Steve Lemke. I was going to get to that, 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 he played at Eastern and was the Yankee scout. How involved is he? I don't exactly know how this works. I know there's level layers that of scouts. When Trey is drafted in the first round by the Yankees, is Steve Lemke still heavily involved in that, or is that, I don't want to say above his pay scale, but if you know what I'm kind of getting at there in terms of being the regional guy as opposed to a, the on-campus guy? Yeah, like I said, I think once guys watched Trey play for the first time and where I think we went into the year, people were talking 12th, 13th round. But as soon as scouts would see him, his name was getting passed on immediately to um, guys that are a little bit further up the chain. And, you know, one of my one of my uh, roommates in professional baseball that I played with in college is a, a national director for one of the teams. And so you know, it got to him pretty quick, and so I see him at games. And so, you know, I don't know exactly what each team's structure is as it's changed over time, but um, I know when it came to Trey, those that name started flying up the chain pretty quick. Now, you go through this. You play at Illinois, as you mentioned. You were the Big Ten Pitcher of the Year. You get, get drafted out of there by the Yankees in the 10th round. If I'm not mistaken, you still were drafted as an, an underclassman as, as a junior, so you had the option of coming back. The second time around being drafted, you go ahead and sign. Is that when you kind of felt like maybe there was not another opportunity down the road, or did you kind of maybe accomplished what you felt like you needed to accomplish at the time academically? Um, yeah, it it was a decision I didn't want to make because I, I I loved 
school and I and you know I was on my way to the degree I hadn't got it yet obviously but I'd always told myself I'd go back regardless of what happened and I'd done everything I thought I could I was 29 and 5 I'd won two Big Ten championships I'd I'd won every regional game that I'd pitched in I was an academic All-American and so I didn't you know I didn't know if there was more out there and um and so made the tough decision and um, never been away from home, but that's where my journey of really growing up started. And so they, they sent me right into Staten Island, New York, and um, well, it was time to grow up right there. Now, you're drafted by the Yankees. I don't know if you grew up, and this is going to put you on the spot here, I don't know if you grew up as a Yankees fan growing up in Central Illinois. I'm sure you're a Yankees fan now, having been drafted and played for them. But is is there, when you're a young man, I mean, is there – a lifelong dream of who I want to play for, and then does that mentality change once you get drafted by a different team? Uh, I, I grew up a Cardinals fan. I, I didn't know much about the Yankees. I mean, I didn't know much about New York City or any of the other big cities, to be honest. I grew up in as small a town in Indiana as it gets. Um, and so, but it was weird because you do have the dream um and i had it a lot i had it eight at 12 years old 13 16 you name it the dream was always being on a mound and so when i got out there in toronto for the first time i had already been there numerous times because it was the same exact feeling and um that's the feeling that i think there's 20,000 people in you know history that's played a major league game and it's not something I can really put into words, but it is like living a dream. It's it's very surreal. And uh, and so I, I didn't care what team it was, but I was fortunate that it was the Yankees because they treated me um, very, very well. And that's been a common theme through my whole career as a coach and a player and, and as a person is I've always had good people around me um, that cared for me and allowed me to grow, uh, make mistakes, learn from them. And, and again, like I said, I doors open. I just try to walk through them, and um, to to walk through the door and see the Yankees on the other side was very, very fortunate for me. Now I think you just alluded to there. I was going to ask you where you made your professional debut, and it sounds like you made it against the Blue Jays, maybe on the road. So I guess two questions here. First, take us through what that ex- that experience like is finally fulfilling that dream. But then two, what was the first experience like? walking out at Yankee Stadium. I, I, I would think for a, a person in certain sports, there's the dream facility to go play at, whether you're the home team or the visiting team, and Yankee Stadium would be right up there in baseball. Yeah, well, I got the call um, in spring training where I had very little AAA experience. I had actually started the year uh, before uh, in A-ball, and Mariano Rivera pulled his groin the last two days of spring training and it was down between me and another guy and I got the opportunity and so uh, I didn't even have a suit I'd never owned a suit in my (laughs) life and so I jumped on um, got the cheapest suit I could find jumped on a flight to Toronto and uh, opening day they put me in the game Um, (laughs) it it was it was relatively close it was you know everybody's watching the Yankees had one of the best teams that you could put together Uh, went out Faced two hitters, um, tried to blow my fastballs by them, and they got the little singles up the middle, and I and I realized this is this is something different. <laughs> but they took me out, so I never recorded an out, and uh, didn't get back into a game until maybe five or six days later. So I'm sweating, thinking, am I ever going to get an out in the major <laughs> leagues? And so opening day at Yankee Stadium, which is also Hideki Matsui's uh, first game at Yankee Stadium, so it's sold out. 
um, opening day, and we're winning by, I don't know, four or five, and they put me in the ninth inning to close it down and go out there, um, strike out my first hitter, go one, two, three, and, um, you know, again, just had calmed down a little bit, yeah. <laughs> wasn't as, as bright-eyed, but um, just, uh, you know, something that you kind of reflect on that your whole life built up to that one thing, but Yankee Stadium, there's nothing like it. Um, I always thought everywhere would be the same, but that place is different. And then for you, as happens in professional sports, you, you were traded to play for a couple of different teams. I guess, what is that experience like then? But now, as a coach, and you've got young guys that are now coming behind you, coach, that you're coaching, the, the four guys we've kind of talked about, how do you now maybe use those lessons you learned there to maybe be a mentor or a guide or an information source for them as they're going to go through these steps down the road? Well, what I learned when, when I started getting traded around was you'll learn that the grass is not always greener on the other side really fast, uh, and I learned that. But uh, what I also learned was you have to constantly be proving yourself. You're, you're always going to be scrutinized. You're always going to have somebody that's that's trying to bring you down. And so my entire life I've always tried to overcome the greatest obstacles that I could find um, going to a university when I'm typically people in my situation wouldn't, um, not only getting a degree, but becoming an academic All-American. Getting drafted um, as being an undersized pitcher and getting to the New York Yankees. Um, and that's what I came into Eastern Illinois with, is the mentality of, you know, somebody doubt me so I can prove you wrong. And if I can find the people that have similar mentalities, we can do it. And so to get to this point to where we have first-round draft picks, and we're winning series against power fives and we're at the point where we're over 500 and we're tackling COVID and we're tackling a number of other issues. Um, it doesn't slow us down. We just got to figure a way around the wall. And, and I learned that through the minor leagues and being on the buses and crummy hotels and, you know, having guys that maybe don't believe in you and you got to win them over and you do it through a day in day out. Um, you know, just getting a little bit better, having a good game here, and then coming back the next day. Them telling you, can you throw four days in a row? And you don't know if you can, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to throw the ball 60 foot 6 inches, and I'm going to get three guys out, and then I'll be ready the next day if they if they call my number. Now, fast forward to this year, as we talked about, you guys had winning seasons the last two years. You've got a number of pieces back this year. I know you've got to replace a guy like Trey Sweeney, but they're there's you got some good pieces back on the mound. I guess start there in the terms of the fact you guys will get Cam Doherty back, who was an All OVC pitcher last year, and then you'll get Blake Melatestinik back from two years ago. How do you feel in terms of from a from a pitching standpoint heading into this upcoming season? Uh, we feel really good. Um, again, if we can avoid COVID issues and we can uh, avoid injuries, um, pitching staff wise, we have a lot of experience. You know, Cam's back as an All Conference performer. Uh, Ryan Ignafo got a lot of experience closing. Uh, Kai Hampton started a lot of games. Blake Malatesnik is back from injury. Um, you know, after missing last year, um, the COVID year, he had a streak of 20 scoreless innings. Um, and so um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We got some, some young fellas that I'm really excited about, and we got some experienced guys that I know are going to go out and compete. So I could – I could sit here for a long time talking about each individual guy and the pro progress that they've made and how proud I am of them. 
Um, but what we're really trying to do is get ready for the unknown um, and to go out and tackle the obstacles and to just try to capitalize on this. And hopefully it's a smooth journey, but it never turns out that way. And then when you look at the, the batting order one to nine and also defensively how they set up, you lose a couple all-conference guys. We've already talked numerous times about Trey Sweeney, but you also lose Ryan Cadernshield, who was kind of a glue behind the plate, was an all-conference catcher. Those are two holes, shortstop and catcher, that you already know you have to replace. But you've got a Logan Eikhoff, who was really a guy that came on last year, and then a, a couple of other players that are poised really to maybe kind of step through and fill in those roles. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Logan can have a, a healthy season. I mean, he was leading the country in hitting, you know, before he went down. He was he was doing that while Trey was leading the country in RBIs. And so it's no secret that they went together. Um, but we have a lot of experienced guys back. Lucas DeLuca's back. Um, Logan's back. Dalton Doyle's back. Uh, and there's a number of other guys. But we've also brought in guys that, again, have the mentality of they're ready to go. Um, they're ready to step up. Um, Nathan Aid is a guy that we brought in that, that hit 290 in the Big Ten last year. And so we have all the pieces, but, yeah, we got to develop a couple guys on the position player side, um, but the mentalities are there, the work ethic's there. Um, if we can get them on the field with as few COVID issues as we can in and, and that process and get them bigger, stronger, faster, um, again, we're excited to see what happens on the field. And then you guys will, will open up the schedule in, in mid-February. And interesting enough is, like, as the guys have started playing Little Rock in non-conference series, next year if you go make that trip, it won't be in February. It'll be later in the year as they're, they're joining the OVC. How has, I don't want to say necessarily the membership, but the number of games that you're available to play, in fact, that the league is a little bit smaller, how has that changed maybe some of the approaches you have to have in terms of scheduling? Well, the scheduling has been a scramble um, between, between the COVID issues and, and some of the teams changing, um, but we have a good schedule. We're going to play a few more road games early than, than normal, but we'll have a lot of home games later in the midweeks to make up for it and balance it out a little bit. But um, again, you know, it, it's just one of those things that with this group, the mentality is we want to play ball. We don't care if it's your place, if it's our place. If it's snowing, if it's too hot, if it's raining, that's our mentality with baseball is, you know, put us on the schedule and, and we're going to show up and we're going to play if it's at all possible um, and we're going to give it the best that we can. Very good. Appreciate your time today, Jason, and best of luck this upcoming season. All right. Thank you for having me again.